Socialist Politics and Climate Change An Introduction to the 2018 edition of this pamphlet by Neil Laker Since the first edition of this pamphlet in 2015, little tangible progress has been made in preventing climate change. Fossil fuels remain dominant in the global economy. Capitalist governments refuse to take serious action to make the required energy transition in anything close to the 12 years the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, has calculated as the window to avoid dangerous, escalating and irreversible climate change. Liberal ideas about how to overcome these challenges dominate the left and the climate movement. But there is still time. Through the organisation of the working class as a socialist movement, lasting inflictions such as climate change can be limited and adapted to. And the damages of capitalist exploitation on human lives and the earth stopped altogether. Fossil fuels and global capitalism. Since 1880, the global climate has warmed by an average 0.8 degrees. 2016 was the hottest year on record, and 16 of the 17 warmest years on record have been since 2000. These and other undeniable signs of capitalist-driven climate change have led to increased discussion in the scientific community about the danger of a hothouse earth scenario. This is where a number of tipping points are in danger of amplifying the greenhouse effect further and quicker. For example, the melting of Siberian permafrost, which stores huge amounts of methane, 20 times more powerful per molecule at causing the greenhouse effect than CO2. The acidification and warming of the ocean, inhibiting its capacity to absorb carbon, a similar effect in the soil, transforming it from a carbon sink to a carbon emitter. A number of other factors identified in the August 6th Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences paper on the danger of the hothouse earth, such as the loss of the Amazon, could be accelerated and triggered within a short period of time unless emissions are dramatically reduced. Politically, it is only the socialist movement that can take the measures necessary to minimise the coming storm. International agreements have been a monumental failure, since the first IPCC report in 1990, CO2 emissions have risen by 60%. The same total volume of emissions from 1751 to the publication of that report were produced in the time from then to 2016. More than half of the emissions since the foundation of the IPCC in 1988 were made by just 25 corporate and state-owned entities, and over 70% were produced by the top 100 companies. The COP21 in Paris in 2015 committed to holding the increase in the global average temperature to well below 2 degrees, which would require vast decarbonisation by 2030. The agreement made no commitments about how this should be achieved, other than reassurances of flexibility and a restatement of faith in the emissions trading schemes whose achievements to date in terms of reductions are negligible, if not actively harmful, and wide adoption carbon capture and storage technologies which are largely untested on such a scale and remain surrounded by scientific controversy. 
Indeed, scientists have estimated that even if all the pledges of the Paris Treaty are kept, global temperatures will rise to 2.7 degrees above pre-industrial levels. To make matters worse, since then, Trump has pulled the US out of the treaty. President-elect Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, whose background lies in agribusiness, has promised to cut down the Earth's largest carbon sink, the Amazon rainforest. His election strengthens the populist right-wing movement against action on climate change. There has been a recent flurry of excitement over signs that energy production may be beginning to shift in favour of renewable power. Renewable generation rose by 9% in 2016 and was the source of just over half of new capacity added worldwide. As demand for renewables is rising, production costs fall, as seen in the decline in the cost of wind turbines by a third and solar panels by 80% since 2009. However, this is but a glimpse of the bigger picture. In 2015, wind and solar power accounted for just 4.4% of global electricity. The real expansion of fossil fuel generation continues faster than that of renewables, even while the installation costs of renewable energy are cheapening in relative terms. This is because the overall volume of fossil fuel production is so much greater than renewables, that despite steadily increasing investments into renewable energy capacity, the expansion in total energy consumption in 2015 and 2016, which is of course predominantly produced by fossil fuels, equaled the total 2016 renewable energy production. The expansion in fossil fuel production alone from 2012 to 2016 is greater than the total 2016 wind and solar production. This means that while wind and solar are added energy to the total consumption pool, they are not really replacing any fossil fuels. This reflects David Harvey's observation that fixed capital confines the trajectory of future capitalist development, inhibits further technological change and coerces capital precisely because it is condemned to an existence within the confines of a specific use value. Even with renewable technology cheapening, as long as fossil fuels remain highly profitable, capitalists will continue to exploit them, even in the face of devastating environmental impacts. The UK economy mirrors the global trend of rising renewables failing to unseat fossil fuels. As renewable capacity rises, there are new natural gas power facilities being planned, alongside Tory-backed fracking projects to provide some of the fuel. Drax Power Station in North Yorkshire is proposing the largest ever UK gas units, financed by huge government subsidies. In its own environmental impacts report on the project, Drax confesses that it will represent a significant net increase in greenhouse gas emissions and have therefore negative climate impacts. Corbyn's Labour Party and Climate Change Politically, there have been openings as well as setbacks. While the government plans new fossil fuel energy, the Labour Party has undergone dramatic shifts. In 2017, it proposed an energy price cap, manufacturing and energy jobs through large renewable energy projects, for publicly owned, locally accountable energy companies and cooperatives to rival existing private energy suppliers, with at least one in every region. 
Labour intended for those companies to be able to buy grid infrastructure to create public ownership over time. A new policy outline, the Green Transformation, appeared at the Labour conference in September 2018. For all the talk of, and need for, democratic control, these proposals came from above and are less ambitious than the One Million Climate Jobs document produced by the Campaign for Climate Change Trade Union Group a decade ago. The Green Transformation instead proposes 300,000 climate jobs, 60% of all UK energy from low carbon or renewable sources within 12 years of Labour coming to power, a nod to the IPCC recommendation timeframe, development of tidal lagoons, policies towards decentralised renewable energy such as public ownership of transmission and distribution networks, a ban on fracking and retrofitting of poorly insulated housing stock. Though Labour proposes a semi-public, semi-cooperative alternative, there is little acknowledgement of the role that capitalist energy systems have played, and will continue to play, in creating emissions unless the energy market and fossil fuel companies are confronted. As Paul Burkett has argued, the energy transition requires an active suppression of fossil fuels, not just adding renewables as another slice to an ever-growing energy pie. For example, the green transformation refers to how UK housing stock is among the most costly to heat in Europe, but fails to mention the role of private big six energy companies whose profits increased tenfold between 2007 and 2016, in causing fuel poverty and inaction on fossil fuels. What is needed is the abolition of the market in energy, through public control of the energy companies and decommissioning of their fossil fuel assets. Labour suggests that it will work closely with energy unions to support energy workers and communities through transition. It should guarantee those workers support and compensation through expropriation of the profits of the fossil fuel sector. Moreover, this line reveals the understanding of fossil fuel workers as a group to be managed alongside and in the control of the interests of businesses, rather than as a leading force, let alone recognising them as the only group able to change power relations and end fossil fuel production in the timescale needed. These are historic and pressing responsibilities which Labour is currently avoiding, in a wider strategy which aims at radical change but does not intend to challenge the economic relations of capitalism. As Will Stephan and others state in the National Academy of Sciences journal, incremental linear changes to the present socio-economic system are not enough to stabilise the Earth system. Widespread, rapid and fundamental transformations will likely be required to reduce the risk of crossing the threshold and locking in the hothouse Earth pathway. Labour's current platform is insufficient in urgency, scale and ambition. We need democratic control of energy as a measure both to fulfil our obligations to minimise climate change and as a positive step towards full socialist ecological planning. Labour's strategy leaves emissions reductions to the dynamic of a market rather than taking control of that process. Climate change underlines the need for the development of the British left towards unapologetic class politics and transformation of the economic relations which have led to ecological crisis. But the current approach from Labour on energy reflects the impasse of their wider economic strategy, 
Their approach seeks to avoid confrontations with powerful interests, in this case the big six, in a wider sense the super rich and financial class, in order to appear amicable to both the wealthy and the dispossessed. On aviation, they propose categories by which to accept airport expansion, which does not acknowledge that any airport expansion contradicts even the current insufficient targets on emissions reduction. Moreover, Labour commits to supporting climate mitigation and adaptation efforts led by the countries in the Global South and to supporting countries severely affected to cope with associated loss and damage, without making the connection between the climate crisis and migration. There exists a pressing need for open borders, for positively preparing for mass migration if we really mean to achieve climate justice. Advancing workers' interests and delivering on climate justice with the necessary urgency requires initiative to organise workers in polluting industries while supporting climate justice politics in their unions. It requires ending the private ownership model which makes carbon emissions and the destruction they entail profitable. It means a shift to a new Marxist and humanist way of looking at the world based on the value of lives and ecosystems. It means expropriation democratic ownership and ecological planning in industry. This begins with a turn within the labour and climate movements towards the workers of fossil fuel sectors in order to shut them down for good. The climate movement. There has been an important continuation of mobilisations and direct action on climate change in the last five years. In the UK, the climate movement has mostly been focused on opposing fracking in Yorkshire with success and Lancashire ongoing. In Germany, there has been an impressive growth of the Endergelände protests, where thousands of activists from across Europe have occupied coal mines and infrastructure in the Rhineland and the Lausitz. Similar climate camps have been organised in Wales, the Netherlands and elsewhere, and are growing in numbers. We have supported and participated in these mobilisations, while arguing for them to have an orientation to workers in fossil fuel industries. The main piece from our bulletin at the end of Galenda camp in August 2017 is reproduced in this pamphlet. Without such an orientation, indeed, without a political programme at all, these actions are limited. Beyond demanding system change, not climate change, the climate activist movement is still characterised by an absence of a political programme. In the words of Mann and Wainwright, this means that most of the time, the tacit assumption is that system change means a green, renewables-based capitalism. This is true of the Extinction Rebellion protests, the bravery of which does not compensate for the lack of strategy to overcome the power of fossil fuel capitalism. A tactic of mass arrests is not to be sneered at, but it will not lead to systemic change. That lies in the hands of the working class, and the key to mobilising their power remains the task of connecting ecological Marxist politics with the workers' movement. Therefore, a fundamental element of the movement against climate change must be political education to empower workers and activists to organise collectively to overthrow it. As Rosa Luxemburg argued at the Stuttgart Congress of the SPD on the 4th of October 1898, the only violent means that will bring us victory are the socialist enlightenment of the working class through day-to-day -day struggle. 
In the face of climate change, this means connecting working class demands of green jobs, housing and democratic control of the fossil fuel industries with direct action to speed up the end of fossil fuels through mobilising the power of workers across all industries. This pamphlet is a collection of articles contributing to that process.